0: This podcast is brought to you by Nationwide. With higher life expectancy, it's important for clients to understand how longevity may impact their retirement income. Nationwide offers an easy way to help your clients estimate future health care and long-term care costs. The Nationwide Health Cost Assessment Tool provides personalized estimates of Medicare premiums, deductibles, co-insurance, and out-of-pocket costs, as well as long-term care, Try the tool now at nationwidefinancial.com slash LTC.
1: Saving for retirement is hard enough, but imagine if your saving strategy was cut short unexpectedly when you suddenly lose your job. You're fired, you're downsized, or just let go. Welcome back to the Retirement Repair Shop. I'm your host, Mary Beth Franklin. When I discuss saving for retirements at events around the country, I always hear from people who are afraid they haven't saved enough for retirement. Their answer? Hey, I'll just keep working longer. Well, while the notion of retiring on your 65th birthday may be a thing of the past, more and more people are facing the unfriendly reality of losing their job or being forced to retire earlier than they expected. In fact, according to a recent survey, 56% of older workers suffer at least one layoff or other type of involuntary job separation after the age of 50. And wow, talk about a vulnerable time. Life from age 50 to 65, you just sent the kids off to college, your aging parents may need your financial assistance, and boom, you're out of a job. What do you do? I'm joined today by Monica Dwyer of Harvest Financial Advisors to discuss job loss in middle age and its impact on future retirement plans. Hi, Monica. I'm delighted you can join us today on our Retirement Repair Shop. This podcast series investigates different retirement road bumps that people may encounter that can derail their plans. Today, we'd like to talk to you about what happens when you lose your job late in life and it messes up your retirement plans. So Monica, tell us a story. What happens when you encounter clients who have lost their jobs? What do they do? What do you tell them?
2: Well, first of all, the thing that we look at first is Where can they save money immediately that that maybe they hadn't thought of? So we take a look at what their expenses are and are there things, you know, that maybe they can cut out of their expenses. Those things that maybe you want to have, but you don't have to have. You can kind of give them up over a short period of time. Um, You know, maybe... Maybe that uh, workout membership that, that you have that you don't really ever use or, you know, do you really need cable or is it something you're not really watching anyway and you've got, you know, Netflix or a subscription to, um, you know, the the Amazon video. Um, so those are the kind of things that we look at first. And then, you know, depending on the client's situation, sometimes in addition to decreasing expenses, They might look at doing something in the gig economy, like can they go out there and do some dog sitting, maybe babysit or get a job, you know, a short-term gig with Uber or something like that. Um, So, you know, that's, that's the first place that we look. And then, of course, we have to dig a little bit deeper in some situations, depending on you know, when they left their company, did they get a severance? Um, Did they not get a severance? Um, So we can look at, you know, what kind of severance options they have and how that's going to impact them from a tax situation or tax standpoint. And then um, we would look at, you know, where where they can take assets from should they need to draw some of their accounts down. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want me to get into that in more detail? or
1: sure. Let's talk about the assets. what What's the protocol? What money do you touch first if you need it for
2: cash flow? So a lot of this is going to depend on the the per, the person in their particular situation, but there's sort of a general order of distribution that I use. And the first place I would tap is you know savings account, checking account that after-tax money that you have just waiting there for you in the event of an emergency. And this is, this is a really good time to think about, you know, do I have enough to really feel like I'm secure over a short-term period, maybe three to six months, where I do need to go out and look for work. Um, so that would be the first place, savings and checking. Um, a lot of times people don't think about this, but oftentimes if you have a life insurance product, For example, whole life insurance, you can tap into the cash value of that, and that's non-taxable. Then the next place I would look for money would be after-tax accounts. So these are, you know, mutual funds that you've invested in, maybe stocks, bonds, CDs. Um, And then, of course, we have to consider, if we're selling something, what the tax ramification of that might be and make some plans, um, you know, to either set money aside for that or you know, figure out how we can maybe harvest some losses against some gains in the account. Um, And then after that, I would take a look at, do we have any after-tax annuities um, that we might tap into? So with an after-tax annuity, this is money that you've put into an annuity. It's after-tax money. When you take that money out, the earnings on that annuity are going to come out first. So the first portion of it is going to be completely taxable as part of your ordinary income. And then you'll be able to dip into the portion that you you originally put in, which will not be taxable a second time.
1: So you're basically telling people we want to look at the tax implication of each pot of money You're going to touch and we're going to start with the non-taxable
2: or least taxable first and then work our way through it. Exactly. Then once we've tapped into or looked at all of those options, at that point, we might want to look at a Roth IRA. Now, here's the the thing about a Roth IRA. When you put money into a Roth IRA, the money that you put in is after-tax money And the first pot of money that you take out of that Roth IRA is going to be the original contributions that you put in. So even if you're under 59 and a half, um, you can still tap into the original contributions that you made without any tax or any penalty. What you're giving up, though, if you take money out of that Roth IRA, is those long-term earnings that you could have had. So, I mean, we're we're talking about someone who may be, um doesn't have or has run out of those after tax options at this point.
1: you how important is the person's age at the time they're confronting a layoff if they're, say, under fifty versus over fifty?
2: Well, I think there are some key places where you hit certain certain ages and you get certain benefits. and I can talk about that a little bit. So, for example, you know, from a planner's perspective, if you are age 55, between 55 and 59 and a half, and you've left your, your current company or or for whatever reason you've separated from service, it doesn't matter what the reason is, you can tap into your 401k assets with the, from the company that, that you left without any tax, I'm sorry, without any penalty, you'd still pay the taxes. But without any penalty, you can tap into those. It's called the age 55 rule. So If you're over 55, but you're still younger than 59 and a half, that would be an ideal place to take money from. Now, again, you'll be taxed, but you won't be penalized on those assets.
1: And to clarify that for our listeners, normally if you tap retirement assets before age 59 and a half, not only are they subject to income taxes at your ordinary rate, but there's also a 10% early withdrawal penalty. And with 55 and out rule is the fact if you're at least 55 years old and you've separated from service, you can take withdrawals from that 401k account. There will be no early withdrawal penalties,
2: but it would still be subject to income taxes. Right, and the key here is You must be taking that out of the 401k. Once you roll that money over from your prior employer, from the 401k into a rollover IRA or even anywhere else, that you lose that age 55 benefit. And that is such a key point because I'm sure a lot
1: of people maybe who have been laid off from a job with an employer and they're not feeling too kindly to that, towards that employer, they might say, I'm just gonna take my 401k and stick it in an IRA. I don't want anything to do with that company anymore. But if they do that, it's the classic cutting off your nose to spite your face, that if (laughs) you roll it over to the IRA, you lose
2: that penalty-free access to that money. Right, and I used to work with 401k participants at my prior firm. And I can tell you that the your company cannot go in and touch that money. They do have some control over the plan rules and what you can and can't do. But that money is safely held, uh, you know, aside from the company's assets. So you don't have to worry about the company going in and taking any money out of that 401k. Okay. Now, there are other rules that kick in for example
1: if i am still employed and have a 401k i can take a loan from my 401k and then pay it back to my account with interest i'm basically borrowing from my future self but if i leave that job i lose the ability
2: to take a loan against the 401k is that correct that is typically correct, although I will tell you there it, there are a few plans out there. This is very rare, but there are a few plans that will allow you to borrow against a 401k where you've already separated from service. Oh, that's interesting. It's, it's not typical, but you will a- occasionally see that. Um, the other thing to be aware of is if you take a loan from your 401k one little trap you want to be mindful of is that if you end up leaving the company for whatever reason, some 401ks will allow you to continue pay to pay those loans off and some will not. As soon as you separate from service, in some cases, what they're going to do is they'll give you a period of time. And it all depends on the plan, how much time you have. It might be, you know, 30 days. It might be 90 days where at some point they're going to do what they call default the loan, meaning that they're saying basically you took that as a distribution and you can put the money back back in or roll it over to a rollover IRA and put it back into the rollover IRA within 60 days, which would be considered a 60-day rollover. However, most people don't have that kind of cash. They can just fork fork over at that time to put back in. So you just want to be cautious about that, that you're not taking out too much or that you're not in a situation where you know you're going to be leaving your employer and you might be in that situation where you'll default on the loan. Now, defaulting on the loan does not go against your credit. I know it sounds really bad when you say the word default, but it's really not bad. The only thing is that you will be penalized and taxed for the portion of the loan that you haven't paid back yet.
1: Though one thing we should probably point out is we're talking about these onerous penalties and you're going to be taxed, but your tax is based on your total income and if you've just lost your job your income is probably going to go down and you're maybe in a lower tax bracket so i suppose if you're tapping one of these accounts early
2: it's better that you have less income exactly now this is why it's really important to work with somebody who understands what all the rules are and can make sure that they are looking at your personal situation to kind of make a proper recommendation for you. Because what you would do for one person may be completely different than what you would do for someone else. I'd like to back up for a minute and talk about the
1: difference between an unexpected layoff or one where you have a bit of notice. Let's say my employer lets me know I'm working in some sort of automotive plant and they've just announced that that plant is going to close three months from now. And I come to you for advice. What, if anything, should I be discussing with my current employer before
2: I lose that job? Are there things I can negotiate? Well, so I would I would be asking questions like what kind of severance Severance package? Do you are you going to be offering? Um, is it possible? In some cases, clients have the option to take a severance package over a period of time, or they have the option to take it as one lump sum. If you're if you're in the situation where you know you're going to be laid off toward the end of a year. Um, You might be better off having that severance package come to you over a period of time because then you're rolling into the next year where you might be in a lower tax bracket. Um, So these are all things that you'll want to consider. I don't know how much leeway you would have to make, um, you know, to negotiate. I'm I'm not really familiar with that. But you'll also want to be asking questions about health insurance and, you know, COBRA Um, And thinking about, you know, how whether health insurance is going to be something that's important to you and your family and what the costs would be associated with that, because oftentimes it can be pretty expensive. Very good point. When you mentioned health
1: insurance for so many of us, we work for the benefits And while many employees may not realize it, their employers are often footing about 75% of their health care costs. So when you lose your job, in many cases, you are offered the ability to continue your employer's health insurance plan through what they call COBRA, this continuation rule. But what so many people don't realize is that under cobra, you actually have to pay the entire cost of the
2: plan. And then sometimes plus 2% for administrative fees, which isn't that big of a deal. But still, the 70% that you're talking about can definitely be a, huge chunk of change for for a lot of people. And then, of course, you can shop around and see would you be better off getting it through the Medicare surtax, tax, you know what other other options are available out there for individuals um, and compare that to the costs of the cobra. And you want to compare the benefits too, because even if a, just because a plan is cheaper doesn't mean that you're going to pay less for it in the long run, right? You know, especially when you consider your co-pays and you know the deductibles that you might have to pay out of pocket. it, it can get pretty complicated from there.
1: Right, and I suppose if unemployment continued for a long time, and you really have a cash flow issue, you should also be looking at what, if any, state plans might be available. Maybe you have young children, and they may qualify
2: for Medicaid. Right, and if you're married, of course, um, if you're if you lose your your job, you can um, you can apply because that's a that's a change in benefits. You know, if your spouse has benefits, but you've always carried your benefits under your plan, um, you can go back to the spouse's employer and say, you know, hey, what can we can we go ahead and start benefits mid year based on this change in employment?
1: When you're meeting with clients who are faced with uh, unemployment late in life, one of the first things you tell them is, you know, cut your expenses, change your lifestyle. Can you share any stories with us about
2: clients who have taken that advice? Oh, absolutely. So I have I had this one client who told me that he he had this very well paying job he was very high up in in the company that he worked for. And um, he lost his job very suddenly. And it was it was one of those situations that happened as a result of the the 2008 crisis. Um, and, And what he told me is, I you know, I said to him, I'm really sorry that that happened to you. He said, don't be. He said, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I said, why? And he said, well, it caused me to take a look at everything I was spending money on and decide the way that I really wanted to live my life. And I decided that I didn't want to be dependent on this high paying job that I could live on, on much less and be just as happy. So he reordered his entire life and basically got rid of all the fat, decided to cut out everything that he didn't need and didn't want. And he said he's just a much happier person. And he doesn't have, feel that stress of, of having to rely on that that company to, to provide for everything. He knows now that, that he, he will be just fine if, if he gets let go again.
1: That really is a refreshing perspective. And the fact that when you work for another company you really don't have control over your destiny. You mentioned a little earlier on that you've suggested people may want to try their hand at the gig economy, uh, maybe driving for Uber or
2: running out of room on Airbnb. Have any of your clients taken that advice? i've I've run into a lot of people not clients but I've run into a lot of people that that end up working in the gig economy and it can one of the things that they really like about it is the fact that they can decide when they want to work and they can kind of pick their own, Hours now. Oftentimes, they they end up working when they know that they're going to be able to make a lot of money. In other words, that that, that um, So, for example, with the Uber drivers or, or Lyft, um, they will they will end up working a lot of nights and weekends when people need to travel. Um, so that that often can dictate to them. But they but they love not having a direct boss per se. Um, so for some people, that that makes them very happy. The thing I worry about with the gig economy is that. You really have to be disciplined and set aside money for your own retirement. So when you're when you're working anywhere in the gig economy, you also need to remember to take care of yourself, you know, whether that means putting money into, you know, some kind of a self-employed plan or a retirement account, you know, making sure that you have enough savings set aside in the event that, you know, you're not able to work. Um, for whatever reason, surgery or, or any of these little surprises that can come up in life. Um, Those are those are the kind of things that I think, you know, you miss out on when you're when you're in the gig economy, but it can be great for a, a short term plan or for people that really just don't like having to report into somebody. I'm so glad you brought the discussion
1: back to retirement planning. That's where we started. And we talked about how a job loss, particularly in middle age or later, can really affect your retirement planning, particularly if you have to dip into those retirement savings for cash flow. What do you recommend when people do get back on their feet, whether a full-time job or a part-time job? Do they need to work longer to make up for those savings they tapped or for the money they weren't putting away when they had cash flow problems?
2: Unfortunately, in many cases, yes. Um, So that's one of the easiest things to control is how long you work, right? Um, As long as you're healthy enough to be able to do that. So I always always worry about people who want to retire earlier because you do have to be in a much stronger financial situation to make it. I mean, if you think about how long you're going to be retired, people are living longer, you know, you could, spend, you could spend 30 or 40 years in retirement nowadays. Um, so that requires a substantial amount of wealth to be able to afford that and the discipline, you know, to be able to put that money aside early enough. Um, I did have a, a situation, but I think, I think it's really important, though, to balance what you need now and what makes you happy now with that long term goal. And so I think there's a happy medium. And I'll give you an example. I had a couple who um, they were, they were both people who worked in the pharmaceutical industry. And they um, didn't like the direction that the pharmaceutical industry was going in. And they both wanted to retire and they were pretty young. And um, we kind of looked at some options. One of the things you can do if you're, If you're younger than 59 and a half and you don't have any 401k assets at age 55 rule, um, one option you have is to set up something called a 72t or substantially equal periodic payments. And the rules on that are that you have to make the 72t distributions for a minimum of five years or until you turn 59 and a half, whichever is longer. Okay, so mm-hmm. if you if you set these up, and you and you go back on your plan, or you take an additional distribution that wasn't in the plan, um, you can be penalized all the way back to the beginning. But what it does is it avoids that ten percent penalty. You still pay taxes um, if you're taking out pre-tax money from an account, but the benefit is you can avoid that 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 10% penalty, which, which can be a real benefit. So with this couple, they decided that they wanted to retire early. I was a little bit nervous about their plan, but we went ahead and set it up, you know, making sure that we had their expenses that, you know, that, that their expenses were what they thought they were going to be. And within a year, the husband, um, ended up with cancer and passed away. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, um, I was really glad in retrospect that we did it. I was a little bit nervous about it, but I was really glad we did it because he was so miserable working and he and his wife had about a year together just being retired and enjoying each other's company and playing with their grandchild. Um, But after she lost her husband, um, the wife decided that she wanted to go back to work part time. And so um, she's in a better financial situation now than she was before because she's still working part time. She's got the health care benefits again. Um, so it, it all ended up working out, but um, I was a little bit, you know, was a little bit concerned um, because the earlier you are, obviously, the the, the more difficult it can be. But um, you know, I was happy that happy that they were able to spend that time together.
1: You had mentioned this strategy, the 72 t distribution, where you can take money out of your IRA and follow these rules, and you avoid the penalty. And a lot of people might say, well, I don't want to have to take money out of my entire IRA. Isn't there a way you can split off a portion of your
2: IRA so you're only tapping part of it? You can. Now, Here, there's a couple of things about 72T, also called substantially equal periodic payments that you should be aware of. First of all, the government determines three different methods that you can use to take money out of these accounts, and the payments can either vary slightly each year or they can be fixed payments depending on the method that you choose. You want to have the person who has your IRA assets, you know, that provider, whether it's Fidelity, Schwab, whoever it is, you want to make sure that they're aware of what it is that you're doing so that they can properly. Uh, code those distributions as they come out of your account. But a couple of caveats with this substantially equal periodic payment or 72T. Um, again, you have to take um, take it for at least five years or until you turn 59 and a half, whichever is later. If you deviate from the withdrawals, you can get penalized 10% all the way back to the beginning of your distributions plus back interest. Wow. So This can apply even if you just made a miscalculation. So you have to be very, very careful and work with a professional. 72T is right for people who are really good at planning, people who have a well-thought-out retirement plan, people who are really good at sticking to a budget, and maybe somebody who's looking to bridge the gap until they get Social Security benefits or some other pension benefits, um, and somebody who's calculated in pretty conservatively the cost of health care, because that's another issue that can be very expensive for people that are, you know, before you start collecting, um, you know, before you can get on Medicare. So the, the person that this is not right for is maybe somebody who needs short term, a short term fix, maybe short term withdrawals or intending to go back to work. Um, somebody who just needs some flexibility in terms of the withdrawals that they're making. This is really for somebody who's like on that permanent plan of retirement. Um, It's also not for people that have low balances in their account because they may not qualify for a 72T. And it's not for somebody who's not good to sticking, um, good about sticking to that fixed income plan right Right.
1: well thank you for those uh bumpers of who should and should not consider that strategy you mentioned social security along the way let's talk about somebody who maybe has lost a job at 62. what do you recommend they're eligible to collect social security but it's going to be reduced the rest of their lives should they do it
2: i am hesitant to tell people to collect a lower amount for social security Um, So this is another place where it gets so complicated that I would definitely work with somebody who, uh, you know, a financial advisor who's aware of all the different strategies that you can employ. Um, If you're in the situation where you're you're working with a couple, um, what you can do is you can kind of, you can calculate maybe one person takes it earlier, one person waits until 70 that way, if somebody, you know, depending on how much they're each getting for Social Security, you can kind of maximize what you get now and later. So um, there are some strategies that, that can work there, but it all depends on what the Social Security payout is for each person. And, and it can get really complicated. I prefer if the, if the couple or the client themselves are, if they're healthy and they have longevity in their family Waiting until later is preferable because Social Security is one of those few benefits that, um, you know, increases with inflation. Uh, Many pension payouts and and that sort of thing don't increase with inflation. And this is one thing that does. So waiting longer can be much more beneficial. But if you're somebody who maybe has health problems or you're somebody who has a less time you think to live and and I would say be optimistic about it <laughs> but if but if you're somebody that does not have longevity in your family or you already have health problems maybe taking it earlier isn't such a bad thing so it really depends on if you can The joke is, in in the financial world, if you could tell us exactly when you're going to die, we can tell you which one to take. Monica, thank (laughs) you
1: for sharing your insights and your guidance and excellent advice of what to do if you find yourself jobless at middle age and still trying to put together your retirement plan. Terrific talking to you. You too. Thank you so much for having me. Monica Dwyer, a wealth advisor with Harvest Financial Advisors, has a lot of experience helping clients deal with unexpected job losses in midlife. Her first piece of advice is to review your expenses and cut where you can. That monthly gym membership you never use? Gone. Netflix or cable subscription fees? Cut the cord and read a book. Lose your job but your spouse is still working? Good news, maybe you can switch your family's benefits to the other spouse's employer plan. What if you still need to find more cash? Consider various sources of savings and how they may be taxed. Start by tapping cash in your emergency fund first and leave your retirement accounts until the very end if possible. And if you have to tap your retirement accounts, Consult a financial advisor first about rules that may allow you to tap those assets penalty-free. Don't hide in the dark. Get out and socialize. Good old-fashioned networking, rather than what you do online, may be the best path to a new job. And while you're looking for that next job, consider a stint in the gig economy, like driving for Uber or renting out a room on Airbnb. It could help you get through some rough spots. Finally, when you do land another job, start saving for retirement again to make up for lost time. If you want more information about job loss and its impact on retirement planning, go to investmentnews.com slash repair shop. And if you have your own story you'd like to share about a retirement hurdle you're facing or a question you'd like to ask, contact us here at the Retirement Repair Shop.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Nationwide. Clients are living longer in retirement, so it's important to take a long-term approach to retirement income, especially when it comes to Social Security. The Nationwide Social Security 360 Analyzer can enable you to identify optimal filing strategies, generate personalized reports, and show clients how Social Security fits into the retirement income picture. Test drive the tool now at nationwidefinancial.com slash 360.